Everybody's welcome. So I could come. I could. But you know what? I don't know how to skate. I, I, I've never learned how to skate. I'm a, no reason for me to be there then. Okay. Oh, all the more reason for me to be there. Why? Because you like to, you'd like to watch me fall and make fun of me. When, you, would you make fun of me if I fell? Yeah. No, Bill, you know, bless his heart, I beat him so bad every time we play ping pong that, that uh, I better be careful almost every time we play ping pong. He's beat me, I think, once, but no, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. No, he's a good fellow most of the time, and uh, <laughs> so him and I rib one another. So I, I think he'd like to watch me fall, and he'd, he'd probably laugh, but then he'd come and help me up. So he's a good guy. I really love him. So everybody come out and get in on that, and uh, it's going to be good. I may even show up. You never know. I may try to skate. I, I think my wife better teach me to roller skate before I learn to ice skate, which is harder. Does anybody know? Is, is ice skating harder? So maybe I better learn to roller skate first, but... Uh, but anyway, come out and get in on that. It'll be a real, real, real good time, okay? All right, let's, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we just love you so much today. We're just so grateful that we can come together and, and come together as this local church here at Summit Church with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that we can gather together and assemble and, and, and worship you and love you and just have a good time in your presence and have a good time with one another and, and encourage one another and, and rib one another and just have fun with one another. And, 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 and we just know that, that you're pleased when, when these things are, are taking place. And so we just praise you, we bless you, we honor you. And sir, now as your, as your word, the Bible, as your word goes out, we just trust that it encourages all of us today and, and gives us purpose and, and helps illuminate the purpose of why we're here. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people that agreed with that real loud said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Let's open to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew, the 16th chapter. And I want to talk to you today, titling this message, Why Church? Why Church? Why church? Why do we come to church? Why do we do it? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Has anybody ever asked themselves that question? Why do we get up on Sunday mornings and come to church? Why do we do it? Why? What's the reason behind it? Well, let's, let's look here today and see if we can find out why church. How do you like that picture up there? That's pretty neat, isn't it? Why church? Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Well, first of all, 
it doesn't matter what other people are saying about Jesus. It matters what you are saying about him. Who do you say that he is? You know, that's the most important question of all. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you say he was just a good man? Was he just a historical figure? Uh, you know, is he some, somebody that just somebody made up and didn't even exist? What do you say? See, I'll tell you what, what I say about Jesus is that he's the second member of the Trinity. And he was made flesh and he became a man. And he lived, uh, and when he became a man, he never ceased being God. He was all God, all man. God in the flesh, you see. And the Son of God, God the Son, and he lived a sinless life. He died upon the cross. He shed his blood, his sinless blood for you and me. He was buried on the third day. He was risen from the dead. And when, when he got raised, bless God, my salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection, my salvation was sealed up. Praise God and assurity. Amen. And when I repent of my sins and place my faith in Him, then I get born again, I become a Christian, I become a member of the church of God. Isn't that wonderful? See, that's what I say about Him. What do you say about Him today? See, Jesus is alive and well, and He is a wonderful, wonderful person. And you see, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now who revealed that to, to Peter? Well, it was the Heavenly Father. And then Jesus said, you are Peter. Actually, in the original Greek text, he said to him, he said, you, Peter, you're a little rock. But on this big rock, there's two different Greek words, see. Peter, little rock, and then that on this rock is a big, big, massive rock, boulder. He said, you're a little rock, but on this big rock. What big rock was he talking about? The revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. That's what the church is built on. The church was not built on Peter, God forbid, as much as we love Peter. How many of you know the church wasn't built on Peter? The church isn't built on, on, on a man in Rome, is that right? I'm not here to knock anybody, I'm just saying God didn't build His church on Peter. He built His church on the rock of revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. And when you get the revelation of who Jesus is, that he's more than just a historical figure or more than just a prophet or more than just a good man who lived 2,000 years ago, but when you get the revelation that he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you place your faith in that, in him, see, then you become a member of the church. You see what I'm saying? And he says, on this rock I will build my what? My what? My My what? My church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So why church? Why church? Well, let me ask you this. Don't you want to be part of something that the gates of hell cannot prevail against? How many of you like to be part of something that the gates of hell cannot prevail against? Why church? Well, because we want to be part of something that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. You know, we don't need to be afraid of the devil. We don't need to be afraid of demons. We don't need to be afraid of hell. Is that right? Because we're part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. Why church? You want to be part of something that's successful. You want to be part of something that's going somewhere. You want to be part of something that the gates of hell itself cannot prevail against. So that's one reason. But then notice Hebrews 10, 
25. 10.25. Let's go Hebrews 10.25. Talking about why church. Notice here Hebrews 10.25 says this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As is the manner of some. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well notice here. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now you see here we have mention of the local church. See you need to realize there's the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's the local church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? You need to understand that. You see when you as a sinner repent of your sins. And place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit moves you from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God's dear Son. The Bible says by one spirit we are all baptized or immersed into one body. And so when you as a sinner repent and place your faith in Jesus, then what happens is you become part of the church universal. You become part of the body of Christ. You're then born again. You're then a Christian. You're then saved. You're then going to miss hell and make heaven. Do you understand that? But then after that happens, God has a local church for each and every one of us to become a part of. And He wants us to assemble there on a regular basis. Now in the New Testament, they assembled on the first day of the week which is Sunday, and that's why we assemble on Sundays. Now, we do assemble other times during the week and whatnot, but, but primarily Sunday mornings is when we assemble, and God says that we should not forsake that assembling together. That coming together as a local church. You understand? You see, the, the entirety of the body of Christ isn't going to get together in, in, in one place, you understand, you understand that? So there's different local settings throughout the country and throughout the world where people, Christians, go and assemble locally. Now, do you understand that becoming a member of a local church is not what saves you? Do you understand that? How many of you know that? Becoming a member of the church universal when you become part of the body of Christ, that's what saves you. But then God wants all of us to assemble together locally on a regular basis and He doesn't want us to forsake that. He says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. Do you know there are some people that have forsaken going to the local church on a regular basis? And God says we shouldn't forsake that. Because you see... God knows that there's something that happens when we come together as a local church. Have you ever uh, gotten a Christmas present or a, you watched a child get a Christmas present, you know, and, they, and it's, you know, they open it up and they take out the directions, or on the box actually, on the box it usually says, what, assembly required. Well, has anybody ever seen that besides me? Well, this is true of the church. There's assembly required. Now somebody says, wow, do I have to come to the local church to be saved? No. No. But how many of you want to take advantage of all that what God has for you? 
You see? That's why you come to the local church. Not, it's not a matter of, well, I've got to go regularly to be saved. No, you get saved, miss hell, make heaven when you, know, when you become part of the church universal. But God tells us that it's important that we assemble together on a regular basis and there's reasons why he wants us to, to assemble. Because let me tell you, you can get things out of assembling together on a regular basis that you just can't get any other way. Did you hear me? One person said, well, I'm going to just stay home and watch the uh, preachers on television. Well, I understand if you're shut in and you can't get out. I understand that. But, but, you know, television services were never meant to take the place of the local assembly. Do you understand that? Do you realize that? And, and there's just something that you get when you come together in a local setting that you just can't get any other way. Have any of you ever uh, uh, sat in a service and then you got the CD of the service? And you listened to it and the CD blessed you, all right. But there was just something about being there live in that service. There's just something about being in the house of God. There's just something about coming together and worshiping the Lord with your fellow brothers and sisters. There's just something about coming together and sitting under the word of God that you just can't get anywhere else or any other way. So why church? There's another answer. Because you get things out of it that you just can't get any other way. So let's never forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. But notice, but exhorting one another. Now here's another reason. See, why church? Well, to be obedient to God's word. He wants us to come. He wants us to assemble because we can get things through, through assembling that we can't get any other way. And then he says, exhorting one another. Another reason that you come to the local church is to exhort one another, to, to lift one another up. This word exhort here means to stand by one's side and encourage. To stand by one's side and encourage. So, so why church? Why come to church? Because when you come to church, You'll have other fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord there that will stand by your side, that will encourage you, that will strengthen you, that will comfort you, that will console you, and that will uplift you. That's what that word exhort means. It means, it means to stand by one side. It means to encourage it means to strengthen, it means to comfort, it means to console, it means to uplift, you see. So when you come to the local church, that's what should be going on. Your fellow brothers and sisters should be standing there by your side to, to strengthen you and encourage you and comfort you and console you and uplift you, you see. Can you say amen? See, that's why you come to church. And not only should you come to church to receive that exhortation, but you should come to church to find fellow brothers and sisters who may be hurting so you can exhort them, you see. It's like, uh, and I don't think she'd mind me sharing it, but Chris over here, her mother passed away. And she told me when she came in. And you see, uh, now her mother had been suffering for quite some time and had been in a lot of pain and whatnot. And... Uh, but her mother just recently passed away. 
Now, Chris has come to church today, and so I'm here as the pastor to, first of all, you need to realize that when we lose a loved one, that hurts. Do you realize that? That hurts. Okay? And so she's hurting this morning, and so I and we gather her around her, and we console her and uplift her. But then, also you need to realize is that her mother's no longer in that pain anymore. But then there's even greater news beyond that. She got her mom to Jesus. And so she, her mom went to be with the Lord. So what do we do? We console her because I don't care any time you lose somebody, there, there's that grieving, that feeling of loss. You understand? So we console her, but then we also encourage her in, in that, hey, your mom's not suffering anymore. And greater than that, she's with the Lord. And the Bible says to be absent from the body for a Christian is to be present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. See, her mom's spirit is now in the presence of the Lord. And, and she's in a glorious place. She's in the glory of God. And she's fellowshipping with Jesus. And she wouldn't come back here now if she could, you see. And you see, that encourages. You see? That's why we come together. To encourage one another. To strengthen one another. To stand by one another's side. To comfort, console, and to uplift. We come together to be in unity. We come together to be in one accord. We come together because we're for one another. Can, can you say amen? So I was teasing Bill a while ago, but I'm for Bill. I'm not against him. I'm for him. The only time I'm against him is when we play ping pong. <laughs> but I'm for him. I want him to do well. You understand that? And we ought to be for one another, you see. Amen? And that's why we come. We don't just come to clock some time on Sunday morning. We come to be encouraged. We come to encourage others. We come to worship God. We come to, to be in... Do you know what the corporate anointing is? Does anybody know what the corporate anointing is? you know what the anointing is? It's the presence of God, the power of God. But there's something that happens when believers get together. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. So when you get believers together in agreement, the presence of God gets stronger. And that's, that's another reason you come. How many of you enjoy the presence of God? See, when we come together, the presence of God gets stronger. Can you have the presence of God at home when you're alone? Certainly you can. But there's just something about assembling together that increases that presence and makes it more full and more strong. And then we can enjoy His presence, you see. The Bible says in, the presence, in His presence is what? Fullness of joy. So if you're, if you're down on your joy, come to the house of God and get in the corporate presence, anointing and presence of God and let Him fill your tank back up with joy. Amen? Now, notice here, let's look at Acts the fourth chapter and the 33rd verse. Acts the fourth chapter and, I'm sorry, the 23rd verse. Acts 4.23. Let's go there. Acts 4.23. Peter and John had been out ministering in the name of the Lord Jesus and the people had, the, the religious people and whatnot had gotten them and, and severely threatened them and commanded them not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus and they had been threatened and they had, been, they had just been, been beaten down. 
Have the, have the affairs of life ever beaten anybody in here down? Have you ever been beaten down by the affairs of life? Well, Peter and John, two of the Lord's apostles, they had been doing the work of the Lord, and the world had beaten them down. Now, what are they going to do? Well, notice verse 23, Acts 4, 23, And being let go, they went to their own companions. They went to their own companions. The King James Version says they went to their own company. Well, what is this talking about? They went to their local church. They went to their local church and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they came, they were down. They were hurting. They were down. They had been threatened. They weren't, they weren't feeling too good. I'll guarantee that to you. And so what did they do? They went to their local church, if you will. And they reported all that had happened to them. And you know what? As you read on, they, 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 they pray and they lift their voice to the Lord. And then look at verse 31, just for the sake of time. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed. See, a reason to get together with fellow brothers and sisters is to get together and pray. And when they had prayed, notice what happens when they had prayed. The place where they were, where they were, there's that word again, the place that they were what? Assembled together, was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with what? With boldness. Now this group here, if you read back in Acts, the second chapter, they had already been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you know, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. They had already experienced that. Somebody asked me one time, is there a second infilling of the Holy Spirit? No, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about people who had already been born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then the affairs of life had beaten them down, and they had lost their boldness, they had lost their joy, and, and, and they were, had, were just beaten down. And so they came together, they assembled together with their local church, and they began to tell what was bothering them, and they prayed one for another, and, and they prayed to the Lord, you know, and, and, and all of that. And what happened? They got re-energized, they got refilled with the joy, joy of the Lord, you see. I mean, you don't lose the Holy Spirit once He's on the inside of you, but you can lose your joy. And so you come to the local church and, and, and you pray with fellow brothers and sisters and you'll get re-energized with joy and the joy of the Lord will fill back up on the inside of you and the joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. And then the strength will come back and boldness will come back, praise God. And then you'll be able, when you leave the local assembly, you'll be able to go back out into the world and you'll be able to have that boldness for the Lord Jesus Christ again. Isn't that wonderful? That's why you come to church, to get re-energized. So why church? It's a place to come to be with others of like precious faith. Do you remember, does anybody remember what 2 Peter 1.1 says? Let's take a quick look at 2 Peter 1.1. Notice that 2 Peter 1.1. Simon Peter, bondservant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained what? Like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Real loud say, like precious faith. Like precious faith. See, when you come to your own company, what they did was is they came around others with like precious faith. Now, let me explain it to you this way. There was a certain lady 
many, many years ago who had sickness in her body. And she attended a church that did not believe that the Lord was still in the healing business. Now, I believe the Lord is still in the healing business. But, but you see, this lady was attending a church where they didn't believe that the Lord was still in the healing business. They believed that everything had passed away with the last apostle dying, you know. And so she was part of the church, and she was hurting in her body, and she heard a, a, uh, a person, actually she had went to a, a healing revival, and she got around other people who believed in healing, and guess what? In that healing revival, guess what? She got healed. And she was rejoicing. But then guess what? She went back to that church that did not believe in healing. Now, I believe in good hospitals, doctors, and medicines. So if you're visiting, visiting today, I believe in those things. But I also believe in the power of God. And so she went back to that church that didn't believe in healing. And just in a, in, a, in a process of a short period of time, guess what? She lost her healing. And so she said, you know what? This is, this is a lot of nonsense. She said, I like being well. I enjoy being well. And you know what she did? She found her a church where those at the church had, could share her what? Like precious faith concerning healing and so she left that church that didn't believe in healing and she found her a good church that believed that God was still in the healing business and you know what happened she got her healing back and she maintained it praise God is that wonderful so you need to be sure that 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 you know the the, the church that, that you're going to is, is a church where you can share like precious faith with your fellow brothers and sisters now, you realize we don't have to agree on everything, and you realize we're never going to agree on everything. Like, for example, the end times. How many of you know we're probably never going to agree? You're probably never going to find two preachers that agree on everything concerning the end times. You know what I mean? But there are some things we have to agree on. We have to agree on who Jesus is. Is that right? We have to agree. We have to agree that there's a heaven above and a hell beneath. Is that right? I mean, there are some things we have to agree on. See, now, if you don't believe that God's still in the healing business, then you're not going uh, to be comfortable around here because I believe He's still in the healing business. See, if you believe that God wants you to be broke, busted, and disgusted, you're not going to be happy around here because I believe that God wants us to prosper. I don't believe everybody's going to be a millionaire. Say amen. Most people won't, but I believe God wants us to have an abundant supply where we have enough for ourselves and enough left over to bless somebody else, see? So if you believe that God wants us to be broke, busted, and disgusted, you're not going to be comfortable around here. You see what I'm saying? So you, you have to be led to the Spirit of God, and, 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 and you find a place where you can share the like precious faith, and then when you get down, you come around those with like precious faith, and uh, see, see, like, for example, if you want to come somewhere where when you're in the mully grubs, you could just come in and we're going to get in the mully grubs with you. See, you're not going to enjoy this church. Did you hear what I... I mean, I mean I, I'll, I'll console you and I'll come down there in the mully grubs and I'll love you and, and console you, but guess what? We're not going to stay down in the mully grubs. What are we going to do? I'm going to take the Word of God. Now, I'll, I'll be sensitive to you and love you, but we're going to take the Word of God and do what? We're going to bring you up out of the mully grubs. Amen? How many of you know God doesn't want you to stay in the mully grubs? How many has ever had a day or two in the mully grubs besides me? But you know what? You get in the mully grubs, you need to get around somebody who's not in the mully grubs. You know what mully grubs are? 
How many knows what mully grubs are? You know what I'm talking about. Down in the dumps. You know what I mean? But, but you see, you want to get around people. You want to come to church with those who like pressure. So somebody that's going to get you. I mean, they, they, they'll love on you. And they'll get in the mully grubs and love on you a little bit. But then they'll pull you up, 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 up. We ought to get up and live above the mully grubs. Is that right? Is that right? Amen. Praise God. And that's got to be right. Because that was an anointed sneeze there, I think. I don't know. Kazuntite. God bless you. No, we're just teasing with you. But uh, you don't want to go to a church where we just want to stay in the mully grubs, do you? No. You know, I, I've gone to some churches and I never attended there, but I've, I've preached in some churches. I, I'm aware of some churches that, that, that you just you go there in the mully grubs and they just, they get, they're just in the mully grubs all the time. Hey, you don't want to, how many, I don't want a part of that, do you? I want to go somewhere where we're going to get stirred up and we're going to come up out of the mully grubs and live above that. Amen. See? And uh, so, so that's why you come to church. One reason you come to church is to get out of the mully grubs. Now, that's not in my notes, but that's good, you see. Was anybody in the mully grubs this morning when they came? Two people? Just two people? Well, I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm doing good preaching to you all. All right. Well, if you're in the mully grubs, we'll get you up out of the mully grubs. Amen? Because, you see, they came around their own company and they got them re-energized. And notice they prayed together. And remember, Jesus said, if two of you, if how many of you, if two of you on earth would agree as touching anything they'd ask, you know, in line with the Word of God, that it would be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So, you see, did you ever notice one can't multiply? Did you ever notice that? You need at least two, don't you? So you come together and get around those of like precious faith. You begin to pray and that power of agreement goes into operation and good things happen. Look at Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42. Why church? Why church? Just a couple of more things on this. Acts 2.42. And they continued. So this is talking about people who had already been saved. They continued. They continued. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Notice that. Why church? Because when you come together and you assemble, you're you're continuing in the apostles' doctrine. That's the teaching of the Bible. Fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Now let's look at each of these just briefly. Notice the apostles' doctrine would be the word of God. Notice Jeremiah 3.15. Notice Jeremiah 3.15. Notice this. Jeremiah 3.15. Notice what God does. We're talking about why church. Jeremiah 3.15. And I will give you shepherds. And actually this is talking about pastors. According to my heart, who will feed you with what? Knowledge and understanding. Notice God gives you shepherds or pastors according to his heart to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now you need to realize God gives these to you. God gives these to you. Now, I've said this for years, and, I, and, and I'm going to stick with it because it's right. Don't you choose your church. 
You let God choose your church for you. Did you hear me? Did you hear what I just said? Don't you choose it. You let the Spirit of God choose it for you. Well, how does He choose it for me? Through that inward leading of peace versus no peace. Do you understand that? And you let God choose your church for you because when He chooses it for you, how many of you know He's smarter than you? How many of you know He knows what you're going to need? Is that right? And you know, if you chose your church for you, you might choose one that that maybe your flesh likes, but maybe it's not going to be the best thing for you in the long haul. Is that right? So you let God choose your church for you. Go where He tells you to go and continue there, stay there, as long as He's telling you to stay there. Because at that church, there's going to be somebody who we would call a pastor who's going to have some things that he shares from the Word of God on a weekly basis that you're going to need to hear. Why go to church? Because you need to hear a message from your pastor from the Word of God that's going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Notice Ephesians 4.11. Notice Ephesians 4.11. Notice this. Notice this. We just read where he said he would give you shepherds. But look at this. Ephesians 4.11. And he himself gave. See, there's that word gave again. God himself gave some to be past apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some what? Pastors and teachers. See, a pastor, a teacher, all these are gifts from God to the people. Now, why was a pastor given? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So why come to church? Because at the church, yes, you're going to have the anointing of God, the corporate anointing. Yes, you're going to have fellow brothers and sisters. But you're also going to have a pastor there that's chosen for you by God to stand in a pulpit and to feed you with knowledge of the Word of God, with understanding of the Word of God, that takes the Word of God and equips you for the work of the ministry. What does that mean? It equips you so that you can go out in your everyday life and share the goodness of the Lord Jesus with others, you see. And I'm supposed to edify you. Well, there's that word edify again. I'm supposed to edify, exhort you, But you know what? There's a whole lot of scriptures that say that along with edifying you, I'm also, at times, I'm supposed to bring words from the Bible of correction. There's a scripture that says where Paul was writing to Timothy, who was a pastor, and he told the the Holy Spirit through Paul, told Timothy that one thing he was supposed to do, besides encouraging and uplifting, is that he was supposed to tell people from the Word of God in what ways their lives are wrong. You know, that's not real popular, is it? You need to realize that about coming to church, that it's not just me standing here telling you everything you want to hear. How many of you know a true man of God isn't always going to tell you everything you want to hear? There'll be a lot of encouraging and uplifting, but dear friends, if a man of God is sent by God, there's going to be some things in there where there's going to be some correction. Now, people don't like that too much, but that's part of what goes on at church. You come to get edified, but if there's something in your life that isn't right, then under the the power of the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, the pastor ought to teach, not call you out individually and embarrass you, but, but in a general setting, talk 
about whatever needs to be said and that will bring correction into your life. You see, when God corrects you, you shouldn't be down in the dumps. I mean, really, you should be rejoicing that He loves you enough to correct you. Is that right? The Bible says that we need to be real concerned if God isn't chastening us. Now notice Matthew 9, 36. Another reason you come to church. I'm almost done. Let's go there quickly. Matthew 9, 36. But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no what? No shepherd. And a shepherd is is likened unto a pastor. You see, a shepherd is likened unto a pastor and the people are likened unto sheep. So if you don't have a pastor, if you don't have a local church where you come on a regular basis, you don't have a pastor that you're sitting under on a regular basis, you're going to become weary and scattered. That means this, distressed, dejected, downcast, discouraged, confused. Do you understand that? Disoriented, not knowing in what direction to go. See, that's another reason you come to church because in life you can become distressed, dejected, downcast, discouraged, not knowing which way you're supposed to go. But you can come to the church and, 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 and the man of God, the pastor, can teach a word from the Bible that will bring direction into your life, direction that you need, encouragement, encouragement that you need. And, and that distressed feeling and that dejected, downcast feeling will leave and you can, can, can go out of that service with direction for your life. Now you need to realize that you don't need me to hear from God for you. Say amen. But on the other hand, you need to realize this, that there's some things. Now, I, didn't, I, I said something. Realize I say some things. There's some things that you're only going to get through your pastor. Do you understand that? You read over there in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, those people in those seven churches, the, the way they got what they got was as the, the Lord Jesus gave it to John and then John gave it to the pastors and the pastors gave it to the people. There's just some things you're not going to get except through your pastor. That's just the way God has set it up. Now, you don't need me to hear from God for you. You can hear from God on your own. There's no doubt about that. And, it, and if I ever stand up here and say that you need me to hear from God for you, then we've got, you've got a problem. You can hear from God on your own. But what I'm saying is that there's some things that God wants to get through to you that the only way He's going to do it is through the, the, the pastoral office, you see. And that's why you see a lot of people, does anybody know, you know Christians, they're born again, they're Christians, but they don't go to church regularly and, and, and they really don't have a pastor. And many times they seem to be confused and they don't know really, you know, spiritually which way they're going or what they're doing. Or you see them one time, they're going this way. You see them another time, they're going that way. You see, it's because they don't have that, that, that pastoral office and God's wanting to get stuff through to them. But you see, because they don't have a pastor, they're not getting some things that they need. Did you hear? What, did you get what I just said? That's it. So why come to church? Because there's going to be some things God wants to get through to you and the way He's going to do it is in the church service through the teaching of the Word of God. I tell you what, I have had literally hundreds and hundreds of people over the last 16 years come to me at the door and they say, Pastor, how did you know, how did you know I needed to hear that today. 
Well, I didn't know, but the Holy Spirit knew. And you see, he knew you were a part of this church. And so during the week when I was seeking him as to what to teach and preach on Sunday, he was leading me in a certain way. And so I get up in the pulpit and I teach the message. And guess what? It's just what you needed to hear. That's how God works. Did you hear me? How did I? How did you know, Pastor? How did you know? Well, I didn't know, but the Holy Spirit knew that you needed to hear certain things. So that's why you need to stay in the local assembly. Now, real fast as I close, Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, the breaking of bread and in prayers. Well, fellowship, we've talked about that. You come together to fellowship. Now, in this word fellowship, you see the word participate. One reason you come to church is to participate. Real loud, say participate. Yeah, so you come, you come and you participate in encouraging one another. You come and you participate in the worship, you see. You come and you participate in, in hearing the word of God. And you also, this word fellowship here means more than just getting together and talking. It means, it means serving in the local church. Did you know that God has a local church for everybody and that God has something for everybody to do in that local church? Did you know that? So that why do you come to church? To use the talents that God has given you. Whether it's singing or playing an instrument or maybe it's greeting at the door or maybe it's in the sound booth or their projection or, or ushering or, or whatever. You know, God ha- working in the children's church or the youth or the nursery. See, God has a, p- a part for every one of us to play. So that's fellowship, the breaking of bread and in prayers. We've talked about prayers, but we'll close by the breaking of bread This breaking of bread here, Acts 2.42, is more than just going out to eat after the service. That's not what that's talking about. That's talking about, real loud, say receiving communion. Receiving communion. Now, if you attend here, you know we receive communion once every about six weeks. But we could do it every week or we could do it more or less. We do it about every six weeks. But we're supposed to come together and commune with the Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus and the Blessed Holy Spirit, along with our brothers and sisters in receiving communion. And when it says breaking of bread, that's what it's talking about. It's not, this is not talking about going out and having lunch afterward. Now, that's good too. And they did a lot of that in the early church. They, they, they fellowshiped together and, and ate together. But this breaking of bread, I'm convinced it's talking about receiving communion. And so we're going to receive communion right now. So if the ushers would begin to pass the communion out, I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me, if you would. Praise God. Now, while they're passing the communion out, I want you to listen very carefully. Now, you can pass communion and listen at the same time. Is that right? But don't bow your heads and close your eyes. Because if you do, you won't know when it's your turn to pass. So just The Bible said to watch and pray, so you can be in an attitude of prayer, but you can be watching for the communion plate as it comes by. Okay? So go ahead, ushers. Pass out the communion elements. And here's what I want to say to you. Now, we're going to receive communion here this morning. And as they pass the communion elements out, just when it comes by you, just pass it on. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, here's what you need to do. If you've never accepted Him into your life, here's what you need to do. Just hold off on the communion and we'll receive it here. You just hold off on it. 
that after the service, you come up, there'll be some men and women standing up here, and you tell them you need Jesus in your heart. You need Jesus in your life. And they'll pray with you, you receive Jesus, and then you'll get saved, and then once you get saved, then they'll serve you communion. Fair enough? We want to flow in line with the Word of God. So if you don't know Jesus, don't receive the communion. Just wait, just hold off. And there'll be some men and women standing up here after we dismiss. Just come up with your communion. Tell them you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Accept Jesus. And then they'll, they'll, they'll uh, uh, serve you communion. Amen. Praise God. Also, if you're here and you're a Christian, you're already saved. You don't need to be partaking of this communion until you first judged yourself. Until you first judged yourself. What does that mean, judge yourself? That means if there's something in your life that's not right. You know there's a sin in your life and, 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 it, it, and it shouldn't be there. You know it shouldn't. You need to judge yourself just right in your heart, just to the Lord, just repent of that, of, that, of that sin. And I don't mean just feel sorry. Did you know feeling sorry does not, is not a sign that you've repented? It, feeling sorry is part of it, but if you really repent, there's going to be a new direction. So if you've got something in your life that's not right, you need to repent of it right before the Lord and ask Him to forgive you. And just that quick, He'll forgive you. And then you receive the communion. Now this is a dangerous thing, which you hold in your hands. It's a blessing, it's a great blessing, but it's also very dangerous. Now let me tell you something. To partake of this communion, there's only one requirement. You need to be born again. That's why I said, if you're not born again, don't receive a communion until after you get saved. But, there, but, 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 but it's a great blessing. But there's another requirement that if you're a Christian and you partake of this and there's sin in your life and you're not willing to deal with it, the Bible says you could die young. Now, you can read that. You can read that over in 1 Corinthians. The Corinthians would get together... They were not respectful of the fact that the juice represented the blood of Jesus and that the bread represented the body of Jesus. And actually they got together and they were fussing and fighting with one another, arguing over who was going to, I think who was going to be first to, to get the bread and the, and the juice and they weren't walking in love. That's a bad thing when you're not walking in love. See, when I say sin, a lot of times people think about, you know, sexual stuff and that's sin, all right. But you know, not walking in love towards your brother and sister, that's sin too. You need to realize that. And in that Corinthian church, uh, they were getting together, they weren't walking in love, and they weren't respecting the fact that, that, the, that the, the juice, or in their case, the wine represented the blood of Christ, and, and that the bread represented the body of Christ. And because they didn't discern the Lord's body properly, and they didn't approach this with respect, the Bible said that many of them were sick, and some of them died young. Now, you know, this is, this is not just a time where we get together and gulp a little juice and eat a little bread and then hit the road. Dear friends, this is, this is, this is powerful. This is powerful and it's a great blessing, but it's also very dangerous if we partake of this and we're not doing it respectfully, okay? So I just want to caution everybody, okay? This is a holy, holy thing. Somebody says, well, do I have to be a member of, of Summit Church to receive communion? No. Being a member of Summit Church doesn't have a thing in the world to do with it. It's being a member of the church universal. 
being saved. That's what, that's what the requirement is. But also, if, you've got, if you're a Christian and you've got sin in your life, you need to repent of it. Judge yourself. The Bible said if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So right there, I just want to give you a moment, a moment of silence here. Judge yourself. If there's something that's not right, just right between you and the Lord, ask Him to forgive you with a repentant heart. And if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just judge yourself if you need to. All right. You say, Pastor, it didn't take, take you, you didn't give, us, uh, didn't give us long enough. You know, it doesn't take any longer than that for the Lord to forgive you. If you've got a repentant heart, you ask Him, He'll forgive you. Now, this bread that we hold, just hold that bread up. This bread represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body that was broken for you. He bore your sickness, He carried your disease, and He bore your sickness, so there's no reason that you bear it. So as, as you partake of this bread, as we break and eat here in a moment, as you do just by faith, let that be a point of contact to release your faith to receive healing in your body. And I believe the power of God will hit you and heal you if you'll receive this by faith. Father, I thank you for that which represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for us and that you laid, yes, our sins upon him, but our sicknesses and diseases as well. And by his stripes, we are healed. Break and eat and receive your healing. Now this juice that represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that blood is, is as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago when it was shed. And, and that blood will, will wash sin as far away as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. When that blood hits a sinner, I'm talking spiritually now, it washes them clean and they, become, they go from being a sinner to becoming a child of God. And when a child of God has missed it and there's sin in their life, when they repent and ask Jesus to forgive them, that same blood washes that sin away as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. And if God has forgotten it, then we need to forget it as well. So, Father, as we partake now of that which represents the, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do so reverently with a, with a heart. Of, of thanksgiving for all that he did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And we do so mindful of the fact of the word of God, the truth of the word of God, that he's coming again, he's soon to come, and we're, we're just looking forward to it. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. Go ahead and receive. Hallelujah. Praise God. They're going to be receiving up these little cups. Amen. Praise